RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 4, Episode 23. Yesterday's Enterprise, Part 2. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, 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 all you Star Trek fans, all you background fans, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly, and yes, of course, all you Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Hey, I promised you a continuation of our conversation in our last episode with Eric Stowell, here on the 30th, the 30th anniversary of yesterday's Enterprise this month, February 1990, the origin uh, week of airing. And we've got Eric back with us um, with some more. Well, you know what? We only have one document to show you this this week, but um, it will be the uh, foundation for a great conversation on more the personal side of yesterday's Enterprise from Eric's perspective, and he was right there in the front row seat. So look, take a listen here. Find, as always, our document we're discussing at our Facebook page, The Trek Files. Take a listen, and I'll be right back with Eric. Today, while Trent was briefly on stage to observe, he was approached by Whoopi Goldberg. Trent did not approach her. He told her that he was not involved with the writing of the teleplay or revisions, at which point she and David Carson both made calls to your office. All right, Trekophiles. Hey, um, this man needs no introduction because I introduced him last time. (laughs) But in case you missed that, please go back and listen to it now. But suffice, suffice to say that uh, Eric Stilwell was, yes, from fan to man here, from, uh, <laughs> from being, a, he grew up in Oregon, yeah. uh, Eugene, and uh, worked, wound up working, wanted to work in show business writing and, uh, in Hollywood, and uh, through a long, interesting route, wound up uh, getting hired by Bob Justman as a page, right? A, a PA. As a P- PA, yep. Yep, having been a page at the studio. Yes. Yes, and working with B.B. Besh. Yes. Right. Um, but here we've come, we talked the story about how you were on staff as script coordinator in your first year, how this interesting marriage of a story idea with, uh, with Trent Ganino happened. Why don't we pick up the story, and I, I think we're going to get personal this week, and if you've read our document by now, you know that it's going to get very personal, but there's a whole kind of interesting saga to this, but first, let's uh, start the story. There's a term they use, gangbang in Hollywood. It's basically when there's a time crunch, there's a time pressure, and a script is in trouble or way behind, and they basically divvy up the acts. And as we get to yesterday's Enterprise, what was going on? It was really, it was really Whoopi's fault, right? No, it was more of I'm a kidding. scheduling. Well, That's, it involved yeah. Whoopi and Denise because um, they both needed to be in the episode, but they weren't both available at the same time. And originally, the the episode was slated to be shot in January of nineteen, or fe- January or February of nineteen ninety, but we, they had to pull it, pull it back to December of nineteen eighty nine because that was the only time they could find a week where both Whoopi and Denise were available. Mm-hmm. So that suddenly put the writing staff in a in a crunch situation right before Thanksgiving because they needed a script to start prepping like the week after Thanksgiving. So Michael Pillar basically divvied up acts and handed them out to the 
to the team. Hans Beimler, Richard Manning, um, Ron Moore, and uh, Ira Bear. Right. And the four of them and Michael. And Michael, because we're five acts. Took one act each and went home over Thanksgiving. They, were they not, lost their Thanksgiving yes, holiday. Yes, they were not happy about it. They were very unhappy. And everybody thought, oh, my God, we're, we're going to come in with this puzzle the following week and see right. if it all fits together. And it's and people were really worried. It was good. They had a story document. Yeah. So everybody take your act. And Ron had and written a, a follow-up story to the stories that Trent and I had worked on. And he had basically uh, made it ready for them to break up into the five mm-hmm. acts that they were going to write. This is baby Ron. This yes. is his first season with Next Generation, right? Yep. And the only season that Ira was on staff because of the craziness of the third season. I mean, all these writers are about to leave <laughs> because of the insanity of the third season. Right. Right. Aside, aside from Ron. So it was already crazy. This is an example of the crazy. And, yeah, they were not happy of having to spend their Thanksgiving uh, doing this. But most of all, everybody kind of in their gut went, this is going to be a train wreck. Yes. Everybody thought it would be a train wreck. Yeah. And, and even Trent and I were starting to be a little concerned. Maybe we shouldn't care about our residuals. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever going to see it again. Yeah, I, I wouldn't miss that 37-cent check coming every other month. So Yeah. Well, because they were, like you said, they were basically going to turn around and shoot it. But it came together. It was shootable. Uh, David Carson made yep. his name on this episode, right? Yeah. Right. And then went on to direct the first Next Generation movie. The DS9 pilot. Yeah. And then the Next Generation movie, even. Yeah. And pretty much by the time of shooting, people were happy with it or maybe... What was that mood like? They weren't... Nobody thought it was going to be an instant classic. It wasn't maybe a crisis time, but, you know, but maybe they didn't realize... I'm not sure what people really thought because even the actors were confused. I, I would be down on the set and, you know, Patrick Stewart would pull me aside and say... I need you to explain to me, am I the same person in this other universe or am I a different person? And I said, well, you're the same person if you go back 22 years. But at that point, the timeline has diverged and you had a different life experience for the last 22 years. And now you're the captain of a warship instead of captain of a explorer ship. And we ain't talking red matter Right. Or black holes. Or any, and well, then Jonathan, green holes, Jonathan maybe. Frakes asked, pulled me aside and was like, can you explain the story? What What is happening here? And so I told him the whole story. And then he looked at me and said, I still don't, I still don't get it. And that's his running joke now every time I see him at a Star Trek convention. I still don't understand yesterday's Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been a while now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it did get so you've got Whoopi and and uh, Denise there together. Um, you had a had you you'd never well you knew Denise like you said you'd run. I knew Denise life. and Whoopi was great. I mean I knew Whoopi from occasional encounters like during an earlier episode. Uh, she took me and, and Will Wheaton off the set to go see Bono and U2 <laughs> filming a music video on a neighboring soundstage. And, of course, she was, she didn't tell the 80s that she was taking us or leaving the set. And I'm like, we're going to get fired. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, Whoopi didn't say that. But she was always down to earth, fantastic person to work with. So I felt 
comfortable around her. Especially, I mean, I went to her office one day because I had a ghost poster from the movie Ghost. Mm-hmm. And even though she's not in the poster, she's autographed it for me by doing a hickey on Demi Moore's neck. I mean, she's funny. She's down to earth. And, and time-wise, that's where we are when this episode is. Her career, she's done The Color Purple and then Ghost, and that got her Oscar. And her career is blowing up. And here we've got this Oscar-winning right. actress on Next Generation. So that whole... And so Rick Berman right. was very protective of that. Mm-hmm. And he wanted... He was very protective about the show in general. Because even any script change had to go through Rick, even though mm-hmm. Michael Pillar was the showrunner yeah, and, the head, and the head writer. Yeah. All the changes had to go through Rick. So one day, you know, Trent and I had been down on the sets, but I needed to go back to the office, so Trent was sticking around. This sounds like we might be approaching the story behind our loan document yeah. this week. So if Maybe. you haven't taken a look at it, Trucker Files, and, and take early, a look And earlier in the, the week, I think, or... Trent and I had run into Whoopi and her assistant over by the commissary. And so they stopped and said hi, and I introduced them to Trent and, and basically let them let her know that we had co-written the story that they were shooting mm-hmm. that week. And so later when Trent was left on the set by himself, apparently Whoopi wanted to change a line in the script, and she thought hey there's the writer over there so she went over to talk to trent and trent's like hey i i have i can't talk to you (laughs) (laughs) i i can't do any script changes um and so he told me about it and i thought i better let the office know uh, about this just for full transparency of course that did me a little service because I, I told David Livingston about it and he told Rick. He was line producer at the yeah. time, right? And he told Rick and Rick got upset that we were talking to Whoopi Goldberg on the set. So apparently uh, we got banned from the set after that. <laughs> Heard this. Well, the, the, our document here is you're, you basically sent Rick a memo. Yeah. Are you screaming? Is this all no, caps I time? Or what? I think all caps was just a thing back then. I don't know. Maybe it's, not. This is how you typed in 30 seconds, yeah. I think. Yeah. When, when, the, when the caps lock is on. Yeah. But I, this, what this speaks to, and again, you didn't get fired. But this is the kind, I mean, in reality, this is the kind of reality check on from the top part. You were not exactly, you, you weren't a PA. You were on the staff. But there's a lot of. We see a lot of names at the end of an episode, yes. and there's probably about three times more. Now, nowadays, we I feel like we do see every single person getting a paycheck from a show. Unless but still, you're watching it on a streaming service and they just turn it off before it's finished. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. <laughs> but um, back in the day, only you're only seeing about a third of the people, the upper the, the department heads and the, and the majors. So, But still, you get an idea of how many people are there yes. from Rick at the top all the way down to the lowliest PAs that you still aren't seeing their names. Uh, and it's safe to say you're kind of in the lower quarter. Yes. <laughs> the lower quarter of that at the time. Yes. So even though everybody's all, you know, bumping elbows and everybody's getting the job done, when push comes to shove, if somebody wants to enforce the pecking order here, it was a long way from Rick down to you. Yes. Or even from you kind of still back up to the writers. And so that protectiveness you talked about, Rick, it hits him like uh, – some lowly, not even, and, and Trent wasn't on staff even. Right. So Trent is a third-party vendor writer. I mean, he was a Paramount employee, but... Oh, even worse. Yeah. He could have lost his PA job yeah. if Rick wanted to throw a big fit. 
So what happened in light of this? So were you guys like on pins and needles for well an hour? Or two, I don't or? think we ever went back down to the set while they were filming it. But well, I, I hate for you to be a liar here in your last. But sentence. I I will say, uh, Gene Roddenberry made up for it when the episode finally came out, mm-hmm. and Susan Sackett arranged a surprise screening for Trent and I in Gene's office oh. with the entire staff, writing staff. And I and we had no idea except the usual Gene wants to see you in his office. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, what for? Now what? And then it was like they had a cake and the you know, congratulations mm-hmm. on yesterday's Enterprise. And we got to sit there and watch the episode for the very first time completed with Gene mm-hmm. and the staff. And, Pre-airing, obviously. And it, yeah. and it was like probably like the most amazing moment of my life. So, and everybody giving uh, high fives and yeah, it and was cool. Everything. Well, cool. Um, was there any surprise in the final? What was your your take? I mean, was every for, for us? This is the show that was starting off like the turkey that had no chance. So, had everybody? Was it the first time the writing staff had seen it too? I think so. So everyone's seeing it for the first time. What was the mood in the room? Like, oh my god, it's an instant classic that will live forever. Or yeah, it was sort of, I don't know. Just it shocked was, at all. But I mean, everybody was really happy with how it turned out. I'll say that there's only one little thing in the episode that drives me crazy. It's 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 right after the time alteration occurs, and Denise Crosby appears on the bridge, Tasha, mm-hmm. and she's reading the sensor readout of this ship coming through the vortex, and she's going. NCC 1701, and nobody's reacting. Like, nobody on the bridge recognizes this as their own ship's call numbers. And then finally she says, C, and they all go, <gasps> like, like, oh, my God, it's a revelation all of a sudden, right? I thought it was going to be like a mirror of us. And I just, I was actually on the set when they were shooting that, and I I just wanted to, like, go tell David Carson, you've got, they've got to recognize their own ship numbers. Any repeat of the number is going to cause But that would have really got me banned from the set. Now you're telling the directors what to do. (laughs) But that still drives me crazy when I watch the episode. Like, nobody recognizes this number. On stage, now, in all these years. Of, and I hear that you've mingled with fandom a time or two. Oh, a time or two, yeah. Live or online. Has anybody ever come up to you with that, you know, with our notorious um, Star Trek uh, penchant for detail? Has anyone come up to you and go, so, Eric, so, like, why does no one react? I mean, are you your own worst? One. Yeah, I, what I normally get is, why is Jordy wearing the wrong uniform at the end? And I'm like, oops, wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a no-knowable. I mean, that kind of thing happens. I said, that was your first clue that that Tasha survived and became the mother of a Romulan offspring. (laughs) Well, and who knew then that the whole Sela plot would be evolved later on? Maybe Ron Moore knew, but Mm -hmm. none of the rest of us. He was the only surviving writer from that bunch, basically, beyond beyond Michael. And, And we should notice, five writers... Took home an act over that break, but there's only four names right. because the Writers Guild wouldn't allow five staff writers to have share credit. So Michael basically didn't get credit. He took the billet as the showrunner. Yeah, and, and I think um, it, it was technically three because Hans Beinler and Richard Manning were a team, so mm-hmm. they were one, and the other two were solo. As a team. Wasted a slot. Yep. Wasted a slot. Well, it's safe to say, I mean, you you put a book together about this whole experience. Yep. With draft scripts and everything. 
Um, is that that's still available? Is yeah, the making of yesterday's, yesterday's enterprise is still out there it's, on Amazon.com. It's self-published. Yeah, I know, right? But then that's become a thing in the time since you did that through Lulu. Yeah. Well, you know, people coming along today watching Discovery and Picard for the first time now, they came along, you know, DS9 and whatever. It's really hard to get a – and we always think of the best of both worlds summer as a pivotal moment. And and yes, it was. But I remember ahead of that because Justice Enterprise seemed to herald or be the peak of those sins of the father and the offspring when Michael was really kind of wrangling the crazy – you know, dysfunction of the second into third season writing staff and the core of the show and getting that, what would, what would really launch Next Generation into the stratosphere with popularity and, and actual ratings on paper and getting some respect for the show. Yeah, Michael and I used to tease each other about who had the most popular episode. So I finally just came up with, you have the most popular two-part episode and I have the most popular single episode. Because that, it, <laughs> it did top the poll for many, many people. Yes. And before we leave, I remember since we are a Roddenberry production here, what was that little insight you shared? Oh, I was just joking that, early, that Rod had been a, a production assistant one summer for our for our team and used to help with the script deliveries and trips back and forth to the I'm not gonna say what I said <laughs> what that you were his boss for a short well, time technically I really yeah, was yeah. his boss oh, we were all his boss <laughs> he was the boss's boss's son <laughs> You're going to cut all that, right? No, no, no. Because <laughs> Sorry, I, Rod, I love you. <laughs> because as you know, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Yep. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Hey, guys, all of our documents and your chance to comment after the shows are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Eric, thanks so much for being our, <laughs> our guest again this week. Guys, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me. At LarryNimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. And may all your yesterdays be enterprising. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.